Well, a couple of boys were playing around in the graveyard in the cemetery and began reading the epitaphs on the tombstones, and they came across one that said, past is prologue. And the younger of the two didn't know what it meant, and he asked the older one, and the older one was showing off his vast learning. Oh, he said, that just means you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Which I think is a wonderful description of what's happening at Kaimaki Christian Church right now. You just ain't seen nothing yet. This uh, next few weeks, I'm going to be concentrating, kind of turning our attention toward the future as we're preparing for what's coming for the next phase of this church. And in thinking about that, my mind went to the third chapter of Philippians because it's a great, great chapter to read when you're going through a transition, personal transition or, in our case, a corporate transition. The background is very simple. The Apostle Paul has been under attack and is, is defending himself. There were those who felt he was just totally not qualified um, to plant churches, to lead churches, to teach churches. Who does he think he is? And so he begins his defense here, and uh, we're going to listen in on the defense, and we're going to change his, uh, his statements, in effect, to uh, charges to us, to instructions to us. Here's the first one that fits us, beginning with verse 6. Remember the good old days. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on law, faultless. Altogether, he's saying, if you want, if you want to know about my religious credentials, they're the best. I, I am well qualified to do what I'm doing. I was, if you please, somebody. Now, thanks to Pastor Jerry, I had a chance to read up a little bit on the history of this church. And I've got to tell you, if Paul could say of himself, I was somebody, you could say of this church, we were somebody back in the good old days. Because you were. Every church, every organization, really, that's been around for any while, has its golden age. It's the age that people look back to when things were done right, when things were perfect. We tend to do that with ourselves, with our own lives, we, we look back at that period of our lives when we were at our optimum, our very best, our golden age. I, uh, I still do quite a bit of speaking around, and uh, when I'm not here and speaking somewhere else, the host will introduce me and uh, talk about the things that I've done back when, and every now and then it kind of hits me, what, what this man is saying is... Our speaker today used to be somebody. That's a little unnerving. He was talking about my good old days. As you look at him now, in effect, he was saying, he didn't look like much, but he used to be somebody. <laughs> well, I've, I've reached that stage of life. Well, we, there's more to talk about in the past than is coming in the future, I suppose. The, the peril for us as an organization and as individuals when we reach middle age and older is we are kind of tempted to coast on our laurels, uh, to take pride in the good old days and not do much about the present. 
or think much about the future. We're tempted to coast. Now, I, I will confess, it is a, one reason, I think, is it's harder for us to get going when we're older. Joy and I tend to start most mornings with what we call our organ recital. Are your organs working well this morning, dear? <laughs> and, well, that's kind of a peril for churches as well, you know. Um, we, we all love remembering. I love remembering the church when we did it right. I, I must have driven, while well, in the time I've been here, the elders and, and the staff crazy because when we bring up an issue to talk about, it's just it's like, it's like putting a quarter in me. And I launch into a story of how it used to be and how we did it when we did it right. One of the best things about having called a, a bright, younger minister to lead you in the next stage is you're not going to have to put up with as many stories. He, has, he hasn't lived as long as I have. <laughs> so you'll be able to get on with the business at hand and work toward the future together. Well, today's been a good day, I think, of a good practice. As we were looking at the slides, those who were baptized this last year, those who, who went on to their eternal reward this past year, all of the ministries that are going on in this church, it's a very good thing to take stock of where you are and where you have been. So, remember the good old days. Build on them. That's the first word. Now, the second word is, forget the good old days. And that's what Paul does. He says, whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of my surpassing worth, of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, and, and to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now, last week I alluded to the fact that a number of you here, I could have called up and you would have told your before and after stories. This is who I was, but now thanks to Christ, this is who I am. And you would have been making a, a negative to positive statement. But with Paul... It's not negative to positive, really, because he can say as he looks back on the good old days, I really was obedient to God. I was doing everything that I knew to do to please him. But when Christ came into my life, all that good, it's as if it became like garbage to me because what I now have is so much better than what I did have. That's really what he's saying. Religiously speaking, Paul, Paul was the best of the best. His good old days really were glorious, but now he's given them up for something even better. There's an implicit warning in what he's saying. Beware of the grip of yesterday's glory. This is especially important for us as growing Christians. We tend to, we tend to get stuck if we're not careful in that era, in that period when we came to Christ. And as the world keeps on changing around us and we don't change, we become less and less able to relate to that world, to communicate with that world, to, to share Christ with that world. 
and, uh, and we tend to waste our energy fighting change. And what I'd like to say to us is, don't, don't waste your energy fighting change. It's inevitable. You're changing, of course. Strictly physically, you are changing. You are not who you used to be. Nothing, nothing illustrates change in the church for me better, I suppose, than music, church music. Uh, I've lived through several really distinct waves of change with church music. Several decades ago, I was preaching in Indianapolis. I walked into the church one evening, and there was a lady in the, in the narthex. She was looking through the window into the auditorium. And I should have said she was glowering through the window to what she saw, because she saw something that was deeply disturbing to her. Up on the stage were six of our teenagers, and they were playing guitars. And when I walked in, she turned to me and she said, you're not going to let those kids play those guitars in church, are you? Now, she knew her Bible. She knew that the only acceptable musical instrument in the Bible is the electronic organ. <laughs> so, of course, we let the kids play the guitars in church. Uh, although, I got to tell you, when I walked into this church and I saw, uh, there's hardly any room for a preacher in this church with all these... And look at the altar dedicated to the drummer. <laughs> we live through, we, we live through so much change. One of my heroes is a lady, 70-year-old woman, in a church in southern Illinois. I was there to preach for a week, and I walked into that church on Sunday evening. And uh, kids were up in front, and they were practicing music. And there was a little white-haired lady sitting back there. So I sat down beside her. Seventy years old she was, which I used to think was old. Uh, and um, she was just watching those kids. And I listened for a little while. And I leaned over. And uh, do you like that music? Oh, she said, I hate it. But I love these kids. I'm going to return to that theme in a couple of weeks. I love these kids. What I've appreciated about Ashley, there's a lot I appreciate about Ashley, but she accepts suggestions from time to time for a hymn from the old days. Now, what I've discovered is I don't know all the songs you sing here, but neither does Ashley know all the good songs. <laughs> so I help her out from time to time. But what I so appreciate is that she's open to that. And, and so we're kind, of, we're kind of working together on music. Well, that's only an example of, of the kinds of change that we have to be alert to, aware of, if we're going to remain in touch with the world we live in. My best example comes from Don Cox. I've told you about him before. Don was, is one of my heroes. He, he came... Uh, to work with me, he retired as a senior minister at 65 and came and worked for 15 years with me as an associate pastor. And uh, he was old school, just absolutely a saint of God. Old school, though, and our church had a habit of clapping. And that kind of offended Don because he knew how we really ought to behave in church. And after he'd been on the staff for several months, he was presiding on a Sunday morning, and, uh, and he decided to address the issue. And so he talked to the congregation um, about the sin of clapping in church. 
and, and instructed us that what God really wants is a good, well-placed amen. That was a good, song, a good speech that he gave us, a little bit long-winded, the Don tended to do that, but it was a good speech. It was such a good speech, in fact, that when he got all through, the people clapped. <laughs> well, the next Sunday, he was presiding again, and the, the special music was wonderful, and at the end of it, the people clapped, and I looked over, and Don was clapping, and I said, I said, Don, and he said, well, if you can't beat him, join him. <laughs> there is something to that, folks. As you look toward the future of the church, there will be a lot of change coming. Now, you can just get yourselves all tied up in a knot over change. Or you can decide what's important and what isn't important. And you can take your stand on what's truly important I came here, I know what's important, I know how to worship, okay? So when I knew I was coming here to be your interim pastor for these months, I packed carefully, and I put in my suitcase, my suit, and my white shirt, and my tie. Because <laughs> I know how to do church. You get my point? Well, then look forward, this is the third one. Look forward to even better days ahead. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Now, you, you understand who's writing here. Only the most influential Christian in the history of the church. And he says of himself, I'm not there yet. God has not finished with me yet. I am still pressing on. As far as God was concerned, as far as we're concerned, our God is a God of the future. He's out there ahead of us, calling us into the future that he has prepared for us. And Paul is interested in growing toward God. So he presses on. Now what I so admired in my time here as I've worked with the elders and the staff and as they are thinking through the church's future, it is very evident that they intend for this church to press on. Not just to rock ourselves to sleep dreaming of how it was in the good old days, but to work together to become what God wants us to become. And that means if we're going to do that, we, we, we don't just press on, we strain on. One thing I do Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul is repeating himself. He, he, he's, he's pouring everything he has, he's saying, into accomplishing what God has called him to do. We've been examining for the last several weeks the fruit of the Spirit. One thing has become abundantly clear. It takes some discipline. It takes some energy to grow fruit. No time are we called on to relax, to give up. And the result of that is that sometimes growing just feels like a grind. It's like kids going through school, having to get up every morning for, seems like forever. There's a grind involved in growth. And that's true of institutions as well as of individuals. And we keep on, in a sense, in the grind, really, until we die. There's no growing 
in the grave. But up to then, there is growth. I, I need to thank you. I need to thank Pastor Ron and the church as a whole for, uh, for what you've done for me. Now when I'm introduced and I speak elsewhere, I can, uh, I can tell the host that he can say, I'm still somebody. I'm, I'm a pastor again. I'm not just a has-been. I'm, I'm an is. <laughs> and I'm a wannabe. <laughs> and it feels awfully good. You, you've made me into more than somebody who used to be somebody. And all of us need to still be somebody at any stage of our lives. Still growing, still giving, still doing. If it's true of the individuals, it's true for the church as well. Uh, I was taught a lesson by a young man who came to see me many years ago for vocational counseling. He was trying to decide. He was a young married man. The whole future in front of him. He was trying to decide what to do with his life. So, I chatted with him a while, took him through the usual questions, and I was getting nowhere. He was frustrating me. Finally, I asked, well, Ed, if you could do what you really want to do, have the job you really want, what would it be? Well, he said, I want a 40-hour-a-week job that's really challenging. And I said, Ed, your, your terms are contradictory. If it's a challenging job, you won't be able to hold it down to 40 hours a week. And if it's just a 40-hour-a-week job, it's not going to be challenging for you. Make a choice. There's straining involved. There's stretching involved in growing. Well, as a church, change is coming because you want to be a living, effective, dynamic, growing church. And so we will strain. And, 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 and we'll understand it's not just about me. I saw a cartoon that I want to show you. This, uh, the preacher is behind the pulpit and he's preaching to the congregation. And the thoughts of the congregation are there, floating. And they're saying, counsel me, humor me. Love me, rebuke me, feed me, visit me, encourage me, disciple me, comfort me. Do you get what's common there? It's all about me. And as long as it's all about me, we're going nowhere. So we strain forward. Let me give you some old hymns, just a couple of them that summarize it for us. This one I love. I haven't heard it in church in years. Rise up. O men of God, have done with lesser things, with heart and mind and soul and strength to serve the King of kings. Rise up, O men and O women of God. The church for you doth wait. With strength unequal to her task, rise up and make her great. And this one, it's a mission hymn. O Zion, haste. Thy mission high fulfilling to tell to all the world that God is light, that he who made all nations is not willing, one soul should perish, lost in shades of night. Publish glad tidings, publish tidings of peace, tidings of Jesus, redemption and release. Give of thine own to bear the message glorious. Give of thy wealth to speed them on their way. Pour out thy soul for him, for them in prayer victorious. 
and all thou spendest, Jesus will repay. You see? We'll be straining toward what is ahead. We press on. And if we do, the little boy will be right regarding Kaimaki Christian Church. You ain't seen nothing yet. 